0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. As our letter shared, we're, we're beginning a brand new series today, A Walk with Abraham. And Abraham is is shown to us in Scripture as being the father of faith. But here's the purpose of our series. We're going to see that he also along with that faith comes a little bit of fear and failure. Anybody else can relate to that? Yeah, my my journey is a journey of faith. But if I'm honest, there's a little bit of fear and a little bit of failure along the way. Now, the story of Abraham is given to us in Scripture for a few reasons. Um, One of those, it helps us see God's plan For salvation for all of mankind. Here's another reason. It helps us see ourselves in the realities and the frailties of our own walk with God. And here's the third reason we're going to find. That it helps us see how obedience to God doesn't just impact our life. It impacts the lives of others. Specifically our, our children and even generations to come. So as we dig into Abraham and I tell you the story, for those of you that are new to Christianity or maybe not super familiar with your Bible, let me tell you a little bit of context. Let me orient you into the story for where we pick up. And I'll start right back at the beginning and it won't take us very long. And at the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They were separated from the garden. They had two sons in this world that they created outside of the garden, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, and later on, God blessed Adam and Eve with a third son. His name was Seth, and mankind was populated out of that relationship from there. Ten generations from Adam, here's the state of things, right? Just ten generations from the garden, the world is wicked. So wicked God tells Noah to build an ark and God floods the entire world and every living thing in it except for those that Noah and his family set aside in the ark is completely devastated everything dies except for Noah his family and those animals ten generations flood Ten more generations from Noah and his children, we see, a, we see that man has again spread out, settled the earth, and has drifted away from serving God. It was during this time that the Tower of Babel happened, right? God, men decided that, hey, we, we still know that there's God and he's God, but we're gonna make a name for ourselves. We're gonna, we're gonna get out and venture out and we're gonna exalt ourselves and build a tower that was there. Yahweh actually tries to build a way to exalt himself. Side note, you do know that man has a tendency to drift away from his relationship with God. Each each successive generation can drift further and further from God's plan for him. And here's what happens. When you move away from God's plan for you, whose plan do you move toward? Your plan for you. Let me ask you a question. How has that worked out for you? Has your plan for you worked out to you? Well, if it hasn't, then you might be able to relate to what's happening here. Ten generations from Adam, we have a flood. Ten generations from that, we start the story of Abram, who we'll see God later changes his name to Abraham. So if you see Abram, just know it's Abraham. I'm going to try to be consistent and just say Abraham so that we're not confused. And here's what we know. Now, the Bible isn't specific on this, But we are led to believe through other parts of scripture that, that Abraham and his family were worshiping other gods. Not not, not God, but worshiping God along with some, some other gods. I'll, I'll give you an example. It's kind of like southern Louisiana, right? I don't think you'll find anybody out on the streets in our community that would say, I don't believe in God. But if we watch their lifestyle, we would see that they spend a good enormous amount of time worshiping other gods as well. Right? So oh, I love God, but I, I prioritize other things in my life. You remember when you said back in your life, right? I, I knew God, but there were, there were other things. You weren't following him above all else. That's kind of the dynamic and the scenario that we have here. And that's actually how our story begins. God calls Abraham out of his current lifestyle and into a lifestyle where he ser- learns to serve only God. You've got a man that's going about his business. God speaks to him and calls him out. Matter of fact, that might be the first thing that you and I have in common with Abraham. God didn't choose us because we were already on the right journey. No, God puts us on a new journey when he chose us. Who took the first step? God did. God took the first step. Abraham did not deserve God's favor any more than you or I do. And we're going to pick up our story in Genesis chapter 12, but before we get there, I need you to, I need you to understand this. I've heard it said, and, and there's theologians that have argued about this, that the divide that exists between Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 11, and 12 on is actually a bigger divide than the distance between the Old Testament and the New Testament. What are you, what are you talking about, Pastor Don? Think about it. From Genesis 1 through 11, all of God's interactions with mankind affect all of mankind. He's been dealing with everybody in mass. Tower of Babel, separates everybody. The flood sent everybody. But in Genesis chapter 12, God shifts and starts dealing with one individual. God starts interacting with you as an individual. And he starts showing us a part of himself that we don't get to see if we, if we don't see that. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. God speaks to Abraham, makes him seven promises. And then the seventh promise is so profound, seven other times in scripture it's referenced. Let's look at it. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And here's the first one, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And number three, I will make your name great so that, here's the fourth promise, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And here's the sixth, him who dishonors you, I will curse. And here's the last one, the important one, and in you all the families of the earth shall be Blessed. And you've got to understand the significance of that last promise. In all of you, Abraham, the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Apostle Paul references this very specific promise later when he's writing the church in Galatia in chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's you and I. By faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Well, what's the gospel, Pastor Don? The gospel is this, that God would send the world a Savior that would ultimately pave the way for humanity to be reconciled and restored in their relationship with God. And I got news for you. According to Scripture, the disciples weren't the first ones to hear the gospel. Abraham was the first one to hear the gospel and scripture tells us that not only did he hear the gospel but he believed that God would do what he said we would do and it was counted unto him as righteousness I'm reminded my pastor's wife Michelle who's going to be here on Tuesday night for the Bible study here's what she says you never know what's on the other side of your obedience you never know And that's probably the second thing that we have in common with Abraham in this journey. Our faith journey is really just an obedience journey. It's really just an obedience journey. And to the extent that we obey, God's promises for us will come to pass. Abraham is called the father of faith because in reality, he was the father of obedience I need you to see that. It's, it's important. Here's the very next verse, right? God, I'm going to do this, and I will promise you, and I will do this, and, and here's where you go. I need you to step out and go to this promised land, and here's the obedience in action. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That's the beginning of the story. Don't you dare sit up in this church. And act like you've been living so long, God's done with you and there's nothing left for you to do. That is not true at all. Just show of, a hand, show of hands for those who are over 75. You keep your hands down. Everybody who's under the age of 75 and would love to hear about what God's doing in the lives of people older than you. Can you show, show me your hand? Look. Okay, keep your hands up. Those of you older than 75, look at this. This is a generation and generations of people that need to hear what God is doing in your life. Please do not sit up in here every week and keep to yourself what God has done in your life. God just got started with Abraham at 75 years old. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Through you. Hebrews gives us a picture of why Abraham's obedience is so huge and it's relevant to you and I. Here's Hebrews eleven eight. Here's what he says. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Look at this. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Abraham was established, he was prosperous, he was influential, had everything he needed, and God said, No, I need you to go out. He left what was familiar to him, his familiar surroundings, his family, and his friends, and he went out by faith to an unknown destination and future. God's plan for Abraham wasn't just to use his faith, but also his obedience to bring about a blessing for generations to come. And you say, well, Pastor Don, aren't faith and obedience essentially kind of the same thing? Now, no, listen. His obedience was shown in the fact that he went, but his faith was shown in the fact that he didn't know where he was going. That's the difference. I've told you this before, but it, it bears repeating. One of my favorite places to go when I was a child was the zoo. And I loved getting to see all the different kinds of animals. And there was only horny toads and armadillos in West Texas. So when I got to go to a zoo, I got to see animals I'd never really seen before. And one of the exhibits I remember seeing was the gazelle exhibit. And here's what was so phenomenal. These gazelles can leap 14 feet in the air. But they would keep them in an enclosure in a pen with a fence that was only four foot tall that doesn't make any sense. Why doesn't he just jump over? They changed the elevation of the habitat so that the gazelles couldn't see the other side of the fence. And here's the scenario. You have an animal that was more than capable of taking that leap and could easily leap a four foot fence. Yet because they couldn't see the other side, they never jumped. They never jump. And it's such a picture of our faith. Too many Christians never experience the blessing and favor of God because they're unwilling to take steps where they can't see the other side. And worse, how many children of those Christians are missing out because their parents aren't taking steps of obedience? I never knew... I'll be honest with you, I never knew that I would be pastoring here in New Iberia. I just came, and if you know the story, I just came because my, my pastor asked me to. And, and all the details, is a story for another day, but I will summarize it this way. God didn't tell me the entire story. He just gave me a series of steps to take. First steps, to, hey, go and help the campus transition from one church to our Savior's church. So I did. And then the step was, hey, go, go fill in temporarily and start, start leading. So I did. Hey, go invest in the school. I want you to develop a way for it to invest back in to the church. So that's what I did. And, and then it was, the, well, the temporary assignment has been extended. I want you to start, start preaching. So, so I did. And then it was, hey, I want you to love on people. I want you to invest in families. I want you to get out in the community. I want you to give of yourself. So So I did that and took that step. Then ultimately it was, hey, move to New Iberia and stay permanently. And so I took that step and I'm here. And I tell you that story not because God has done some amazing things and he has. He's done some amazing things as a result of that obedience and the step of faith that I took. But nobody has been impacted more by those steps of obedience than my own kids. I can't explain to you what God has done in the lives of my children in just this short time that I've been here. You might have seen that second best good-looking man in the room standing behind a drum cage doing his little little thing. He was getting it. And, And I sit up here and I worship I know God is moving, but I'm seeing God move. I'm seeing God move. God told Abraham, if you'll step out and go, I'll show you when you get there. You don't need to know the other side. You don't need to know what it looks like. But if you will go, not only will you be blessed, but generations after you will be blessed. This journey that God has us on, this the same journey of faith and obedience, this walk with Abraham, I can't promise you that you'll see the other side every time God asks you to take a step, but I can promise you this, your obedience will result in blessing, not just for you, but for generations to follow. Now, Abraham's story, however, doesn't just end there. We learn more about ourselves and this journey by watching the father of faith. And I say that with a little bit of sarcasm as we dig into this story. I recently took a road trip to Texas with a friend. And while we were driving down the highway, I noticed this sign. It said, prison area, do not pick up hitchhikers. Y'all seen those signs before? Man, that'll test your Christian generosity, won't it? see a guy outside sticking his thumb out, trying to help him get from one place to the other, doesn't have a car, but he doesn't realize he's standing real close to a sign that says prison area, don't pick up hitchhikers. If that's you and your car is stranded and you're in the vicinity of law enforcement facility or prison, walk a bit before you stick your thumb out. Nobody's, Nobody's picking you up. But listen, if anyone escapes, here's why they put the sign out there. If anyone escapes, you could be helping them and not even realize it. You could be helping them escape and not even realize it. And as as we navigate this journey of Abraham over these next few weeks, I'm going to show you that his journey and yours will have some uninvited hitchhikers. Uninvited hitchhikers along the way. And today in the last few minutes that we have, I'm going to talk about our first hitchhiker on the journey that Abraham has, that you and I are going to have, and that's the hitchhiker of fear the hitchhiker of fear. Did you know that fear will try to hitch a ride on your spiritual journey? You may have faced that yourself. And if you haven't, don't worry, it's coming. Look at this story from Genesis chapter five. Abram took Sarai, his wife, we later know her name is to be Sarah. Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. We know that's the promised land. He set out to head there. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram promised through, or passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, still in the promised land. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you're a woman, beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Look at this. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Husbands, you need to pay attention to this next sentence. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Now listen, I know that there are some parts of the country where it's okay to marry your sister. But husbands, I never suggest that you look at your beautiful wife and say, hey, when we walk into this place, they may get jealous of how beautiful you are and I'm afraid of my life. So I want you just to pretend that you're my sister. Wives, is that gonna go well for them? No, not at all. Here's, here's what happened. Now listen, before we start laughing at Abram's foolishness and his fear, let's be honest. I know none of us have ever lied to save ourselves, have we? No, not, not at all. Here's what's fascinating to me about this story. Abraham, you heard from God. You heard from God. You heard his voice and you obeyed. God appeared to you when you got there. And now you mean to tell me you're afraid for your life? Some father of faith you are. You had the faith to step out and go. You had the faith to arrive. And you don't have the faith to trust God in this. Surely the father of faith wouldn't be acting like that, would he? Now, fortunately for for Abraham and for us, God intervened, got him back on his journey. Let's continue the story. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us how Pharaoh figured it out, but it's clear God intervened in this story. But that's not what I need you to see here. Do you remember where Abraham was before he went to Egypt? Canaan. He was in the promised land, right? He was right where God wanted him to be. Question, why would he leave the promised land The place where God asked him to go, and why would he go into Egypt? Do you remember from the story? What did it say? Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Listen, God did not tell Abram to go to Egypt. God told him, leave and go to the place that I'll tell you to. He went there on his own because he was afraid. What was he afraid of? He was afraid of famine. He was afraid of not having what God had provided to him. And somewhere along his journey, he went from trusting God to believing that God wouldn't provide for him in the place that he had told him to go. Fear did that. It hitchhiked a ride on Abram's journey. And the man that had the faith to get out and go no longer had the faith to trust that God would provide for him in the place that he told him to go. Abraham went from listening to faith to listening to fear. And he pulled over and he opened the door and fear got into the car. Fear got into the car. But listen, fear didn't stop there, did it? Why did Abraham lie to Pharaoh? He was afraid to die. He was afraid of death. Once he started listening to fear instead of faith, it caused him to be somewhere he was never supposed to go And it caused him to do some things that he was never supposed to do. And I need you to know this about your walk with Abraham, this spiritual journey of faith that we're on. First, if you let it, fear will keep you from taking the first step. Well, then fear will keep you from trusting in God's provision along the way. From there, fear will take you outside of God's protection and lead you places that you have never should have gone. And once you're there, away from provision And away from protection, you will do things that you shouldn't do. Is there anybody in the room today that can relate to that? I did some things that I shouldn't do because I was in a place I shouldn't have been. And I was outside of the protection that God had called me to be. God had everything Abraham needed waiting for him. He only asked Abraham to step out in faith and go. But Abraham picked picked up a hitchhiker along the way and started listening to fear instead of listening to faith. Fear is real, but listen, it's just a hitchhiker. It does not have to come along on your journey. Here's what's so crazy about the difference between faith and fear. I told you why you'd have a hard time stepping out in faith, didn't I, right? When you can't see the other side. But let me tell you what's so crazy about fear. Look at me. You can't see the other side either with fear. Faith can't see the other side. Fear can't see the other side. Why do we allow ourselves to listen to fear instead of listening to faith? Faith places trust in God. What does fear do? Fear places trust in self. Every time I don't step out in faith, but instead I step back in fear, it's as if I'm saying, God, I can't trust you. I'll trust myself instead. Faith gives you courage to obey. Fear drains you of courage to obey. Why in the world would we listen to fear when God has given us faith? And I think this, I think because Abraham took that first step to commit to start the journey, look at me, God himself committed to Abraham to help him finish the journey. Look what he did. Not only did God address his fear of death by saving him and sending him on, he also addressed his fear of provision. What did he leave with? All the animals, all the sheep, all the oxen, all the donkeys, all the servant, all the wealth. God took even Abraham, being in a place he shouldn't have been, and had provision for him. What a miracle. What a miracle. Has, has God ever done something like that for you? Oh, not too many people nodding their heads. I'm not saying that God sent you to Egypt and you walked out of there with a bunch of donkeys and camels. I'm saying, has God brought you a place... That you knew you shouldn't have been, and come out of it on the result, seeing God had his hands on me the entire time that I was there. <laughs> you thought that he, he had left you to your own demise, and then all of a sudden he works a, a small miracle on, on your behalf. And for the scoffers in the room, let me help you. Yeah, Pastor Don, but that's just that's just a coincidence. That's just a coincidence. I love this quote. Novelist Irene Hannon adds to Albert Einstein's quote when she says a coincidence is really just a small miracle where God chooses to remain anonymous. Every coincidence is just a small miracle where God is choosing to remain anonymous. Here's what we get to look forward to in this journey. Let me give you the spoiler. Later along this journey, we're going to see a lot bigger miracles take place in Abraham's life. But bigger miracles require bigger what? What? bigger faith, bigger miracles, bigger faith. Faith grows when we start to notice how God is committed to us and actively helps us along our journey. That's the story of Abraham. That's what we see. Here's a guy who's taking these steps of obedience and he's walking and he's encountering these hitchhikers along the way and God is gonna work out thing after thing after thing, time after time after time again. You think stepping out, going to a place he didn't know was big? Wait till a couple of weeks come up. God's gonna ask something of Abraham you and I can't even fathom. But he sees God working in these little moments of faith, and it gives him the courage to step out and take on the bigger ones. Look what happens when you commit to God in this way. God commits to you. Philippians 1, verse 6. And I'm sure of this, the Apostle Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you? But the work has to begin before it can be completed. Every spiritual journey has to begin with a first step. And Here's what I want to do over the next several weeks and even here today. I want to invite you to look at your own spiritual journey. I want you to look at your life through the life of Abraham, this, this journey that he's on. And I want to remind you of some things that we've seen so far and that we're going to continue to see play time and time again as we go forward. Here's the first one. The first step isn't yours. It's God's. The first step isn't yours, it's God. Abraham didn't call out to God. God called out to Abraham, and I believe that God is calling out to you today, and there's a voice inside your head. There's something you're thinking and feeling where God speaks in moments like this, and you're hearing my voice, but you're also hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and he's asking you to take a step. I can tell by the nods in the room just looking up at me that you know that thing that God's been asking you to do. You just need the faith to step out and do it. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. I'm afraid of the outcome. I don't know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen if you don't go. I can guarantee you what's going to happen. That blessing, that favor, that promise that God has for you, that he's asking you to stake, that he's got stepped up for you, that thing for your kids that God wants to bring out that you could never see until you get where he wants you to go, that's at stake. Don't be the kind of people that don't step out in faith, or be the kind of people that step out in faith, not step back in fear. The first step wasn't yours. God's already taken it. Here's the second thing we're going to see. There was a cost involved. Abraham left what was familiar to him in order to follow God. And with that separation came an impartation. You do realize that God doesn't do everything in your life sometimes until you step away from those things that you need to step away from. For many of us here today, the difference between the life you have and the life God wants for you is determined by what you're willing to walk away from. Maybe there's some bad relationships, maybe there's some sinful habits, maybe there's some things that you need to walk away from. There's a cost involved along this journey. Here's the third thing. You will face fear. And the way you fight fear is with faith. Hebrews tells us that faith is a substance. It is evident in the things we don't see. What does that mean? Your faith grows each time you see God moving in ways that other people don't recognize. It's no coincidence to me that God asked somebody to step out one day and write a letter and put it in an envelope and leave it in a shopping cart at a grocery store because he had something he wanted to say to a man. That's faith. Could you imagine what kind of fear went through this person's mind? Well, God, what if it ends up in the trash? What if nobody sees it? What if the wrong person gets it? God, what if a Christian that's really stronger than I am and more mature gets this and not the person you need? Fear would have said, eh, somebody else will do it. Faith says, I'm going to do it and watch what God does. Here's the fourth thing I need you to understand. We're going to see this over and over again. The same God that called you will not only protect you, he will provide for you. Fear is a hitchhiker, not a companion. You don't have to let him join you along your journey. I need you to understand this. Faith is a choice. Fear is a choice. They're both choices. One of them will give you the courage to continue on. One of them will bleed you and drain you of the courage that God wants you to have. Y'all seeing this? Here's, Here's the fifth thing. Your steps of obedience will affect future generations. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I do moments like this because I want you to take inventory. I I want you to be eliminated from distractions. Nobody's moving around. We're, We're not getting our purses together. We're just listening to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to us. Everything that God wanted to do in Abraham's life began with an invitation to leave what is familiar to grab a hold of what is promised. And when I prayed for you this morning, I specifically asked that the Holy Spirit would help you see today that your struggle isn't because God hasn't called you, it's because you haven't separated. Separated from what? Separated from that thing that you need to stop doing, that you know is detrimental and harmful to you. Separated from those relationships, that person in your life that you know is drawing you further and further away from the place that God has called you to. You're struggling because you haven't separated from your own plans and your priorities, your own priorities for your life that are in the way of you obeying. You're not as consistent in this church as you know you should be because you've got some other things that are in your schedule that are competing with Sunday mornings. You're struggling because you haven't separated. You don't trust God because you can't see what's on the other side. Remember. Fear can't see it either. What's really happening is you're trusting in self. You need faith. And if that's you here today, I want to ask you to do this. This is how you combat it. Right there where you are, I want you to ask that God would give you faith. It's simple. This is how you do it. Father, I know the things that you've put before me. Can you give me the faith to obey? Can you give me the faith to say no? Can you see, give me the faith to, to go and to show up? Can you give me the faith to do the things that you need? There's fear lurking right here. God, I see it. Can you take this fear and replace it with faith? right there where you're seated. I'm not going to move forward. I want you to ask. I want you to see how simple it is. It's not this big, drawn-out, emotional, hoorah thing. I don't have to get the band up here and create a big, huge ministry moment for you to sit there in your relationship with God and say, God, can you give me the faith? You may be sitting here right now facing with the decision, God, I know you want me to follow Jesus. I know you want me to be a Christian. I know you want me to trust in you above all else, but if I'm honest with you, God, I haven't done it because I'm afraid. I want to tell you that even salvation can come by you asking God for the faith to take that stand. Right there where you're at, Father, will you give me the faith to follow you? Will you give me the faith to put you forward first in my life? Will you give me the faith to forsake all the sinful habits and bad relationships that exist in my life? Will you give me the faith to step out and follow you? Here's what we're going to do right now. That kind of faith, the faith that you just asked for, that faith that overcomes fear, it'll allow you to do this. For those of you that before today haven't had A relationship with Jesus, I'm going to extend this invitation to you today. Today can be the day where for the first time you step out in faith and acknowledge some things that maybe you've been too afraid to acknowledge. I'm going to tell you that faith that God gives you in the moment can help you become a child of God. What are you talking about, Pastor Don? It's as simple as ABC. A stands for admit. Maybe for the first time today, you have the faith to admit that your sin has separated you from a righteous and loving God. Be is belief. Maybe today is the first day that you've got the faith to believe that God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, the life you could never live, that satisfied a debt that you could never pay. That faith that God has given you has overcome the fear to keep you from being a Christian today. Maybe for the first day, you believe. C stands for confess. Maybe today you have the faith to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. I want you to ask God for that kind of faith, and then I want you to act upon it. If you're here in this room, say, Pastor Don, I've never asked to be born again today. I've never trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I do not know that if I died today that the next face I see would be the face of Jesus But I believe God's given me the faith right here, right now, in this moment. And I want you to pray with me to be born again. Right there where you're at, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I want to have this interaction with you today. If you want me to pray with you to be born again, acknowledging what God has done in your life, the faith that He's given you today, to follow Jesus with all your heart, I want you to raise your hand and look up at me right now. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand too. Once I see you, I want you to put your hand down. I see you, both of you. I'm looking all across the room up in the balcony. I want to raise my hand to be born again today. God, give me the faith to trust you. I know I'm afraid. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand too proud of you one last time and then we'll pray together christians in the room are praying they remember that moment thank you i see your hand church i want to do this i want to lead us in a prayer the prayer doesn't save you god has done that the faith that he's given you to trust him but i'm going to ask every christian in this room to pray this prayer with those of you that raise your hand Indicative of the fact that nobody walks through Christianity alone. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven. A purpose on earth. And a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, let's celebrate with those who were born again today.